Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, uh, this is Tom Masters, and I want to welcome you to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, uh, Dr. Hanscom. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Well, pretty good. I uh, I uh, have was reading our show notes this morning, and we've got a, a, a pretty in-depth show on that's called OCD is No Fun. And uh, first of all, for our listeners, uh, OCD refers to obsessive compulsive disorder. And um, Dr. Hanscom, I understand uh, first of all that uh, that uh, you've had some personal experience with OCD, and I was wondering if you could uh, start off by telling our listeners what OCD is exactly, and then uh, perhaps relate your own experience with it. Well, obsessive compulsive disorder is a um, situation where you are literally tortured with unwelcome intrusive thoughts. So it's characterized by repetitive intrusive thoughts and the more you fight these thoughts, the worse they get. And the thoughts come in four categories. There's religion, sex, dirt, and violence. And it tends to occur in people who are perfectionistic, high standards. And what happens, the essence of the problem is, is that 85% of people have these random thoughts that are unpleasant. And most people ignore them and don't pay much attention to them. The problem with the nervous system in general, whatever you pay attention to will be magnified. So, for instance, if you try to suppress a thought, the research shows that you'll actually increase the power of the thought dramatically, the large trampoline effect. Dr. Wegner out of Harvard in 1987 published a paper where his nickname White Bears, which did college students, and asked them to not think about white bears. And every time they thought about a white bear, they're supposed to ring a bell. Anyway, it was a brilliant little experience, and the upshot experience was that when you tried not to think about white bears, you would think about them a lot more, and when you, when you thought about the white bears, you would think about them less. So we call it the ironic effect. When you try not to think about something, you think about it a lot more. When you try to think something, when you try to think about something, you actually think about it less. And it's sort of a neurological trick. So with and OCD, you have these unpleasant thoughts. Of course, you don't like them, so you suppress them. And, of course, it gives them a tremendous amount of power. And over you know years and years of suppressing, why they eventually start to break through and become rather unpleasant. And how, now, you discovered uh, that you had OCD, and how did, how did that happen? Uh, can you? Well, first of all, I had it for probably... 20 years before I recognized the diagnosis. I was, like everybody else, there was TV programs like Hoarders, and I remember one TV show where they had one guy counting pennies day after day after day for like 15 years. And OCD is considered sort of a funny, entertaining type thing. The reality is just extreme mental torture. I can't put it into words how bad this is. So I sort of had these crazy thoughts pop into my head when I was an orthopedic resident. I was under an extreme amount of stress, you know, going to my first year of surgery, trying to learn the ropes, trying to learn how to do surgery, et cetera. They come in and out, wouldn't really think about it very much. 
And then my spine fellowship was extraordinarily stressful, and the whole process cranked up quite a bit. And then I still did okay. I started to develop my own chronic pain syndrome not too long after that, which is a whole different discussion. But I was in chronic pain for about 1988 to around 1993, I'm sorry, 2003, about 15 years. And part of it was extreme anxiety. And you get a crazy thought in your head and you suppress it. And then they start becoming sort of impulses. They become very visual and very vivid. And it also had to do around with the birth of my son, which is, he was born in 1984. There's something about having another live person who was, in other words, I have a very abusive childhood. So all of a sudden, by having my own child, I'm sort of brought back into that realm of being a child again. And that's when things started to crank up a lot. And so the thoughts are very vivid. You know, it's like throwing a glass of water in somebody's face, kicking a child, walking out in front of a car. And they're just random thoughts. What's reassuring is that people essentially never act on them. In other words, the people that tend to have these thoughts are very high standards, perfectionistic, self-critical. So it never happens. And Dr. Wagner, who wrote the original paper on white bears, wrote a paper called The Seed of Our Own Undoing. And he pointed out that in Greek tragedy, it's the heroes always take themselves down. And he goes, why is that? And then he pointed out that it's the people who are trying to do good things that can have the high standards, self-critical. And what happens is that, again, he points out this ironic effect. When you try not to think about something, you think about it more. And the higher your standards, the higher the chance you're going to suppress or take these thoughts seriously. So the thoughts aren't the problem. It's actually paying attention to them and trying to get rid of them. That's the problem. So in Greek tragedy, he points out that it's the very high idealized type person who gets taken down with these thoughts. And he's the one that pointed out the simple exercise we're going to talk about in the next episode of this show is to be writing down those thoughts starts breaking the cycle. So what, uh, uh, when you, you know, if, if, uh, is chronic pain often associated with OCD? Do the two sort of come together, or is it just in particular cases? No, it, it does happen a lot. I honestly have no idea what the instance is, but I do know in my practice, I've learned to ask very careful questions since I had such an extreme form of OCD, is that I start asking people questions about thought processes and what's going on, and it turns out that Anxiety is simply a neurochemical response to the environment. In other words, if you have a physical threat, your body secretes stress chemicals like adrenaline and cortisol, then you feel anxiety. So anxiety is just that feeling generated by the stress chemicals. And the mistake that I made for many years trying to solve this is that I thought the anxiety was the problem. It's just the response. So what happens, the reason why it's so critical is that this unconscious survival response is a million times stronger than the conscious brain. So conscious attempts to analyze, understand it, talk about it, actually make things way worse. I mentioned several times on this show that I was in psychotherapy for 13 solid years, once or twice a week, and things get way worse because I was paying attention to the circuit. So I'm an advocate of psychotherapy and psychology, but it has to be in its place compared to the other tools that start breaking up these circuits. Humans have a problem is that thoughts, unpleasant thoughts, are a mental threat that are processed by the brain the same way that a physical threat is. Then you have stress chemicals, 
that you have the feeling of anxiety, the problems that humans have is that you can't escape your thoughts. So the essence of OCD is that the more you try to fight these thoughts, the worse they get. So it turns out that anxiety actually is the pain. And we have this sustained chemical assault from the called unpleasant repetitive thoughts. That's what the um, research term is for them. So you end up with a sustained chemical assault on your body, and that's why there's over 30 symptoms of chronic pain, including pain. Because what happens, the adrenaline actually doubles the nerve conduction of the nerves, of the pain fibers, so you actually feel the pain more. Also, each organ system responds in its own way. So I had ringing in my ears, migraine headaches, stomach issues, back pain, neck pain, burning in my feet, couldn't sleep, extreme depression. I mean, it all comes together in one package because it's a sustained chemical response to these unpleasant thoughts. So if I understand this, then uh, the way I, I would summarize it is your brain can't tell the difference between essentially a thought and a real physical threat. So if, a, if it perceives the thought in the same way that it perceives a, a physical threat, you'll have the same chemical response. Your anxiety level will rise and you're, you know, that's where things really uh, start to go off the rails. Uh, if you have chronic pain, it'll intensify it. Or if you have, uh, if you're developing OCD, it'll intensify the symptoms there right. too. It sounds like. And and right. if if someone, um, what are what are the symptoms someone should look for uh, to determine if they have if they, they might have OCD? What are some of the early signs that? Uh, that well, uh, there's someone an individual might look for. So first of all, I, I learned that I I didn't know I had OCD until 1997 when I picked up a book called Tormenting Thoughts and Secret Rituals by Ian Osborne, who's a psychologist who had OCD himself. And first of all, you think you're the only person world having these crazy thoughts. So simply understand that other people had the problem was a huge, huge relief to me. It wasn't the solution, but it was a huge relief. They talked about these categorizations of religion, sex, violence, and dirt. And so then I found out, the reason I still didn't really relate to it, because then I found out there's actually internal and external OCD. In other words, external OCD is you go up and down stairs, um, you, you back your car up back and forth, you start counting rituals, all sorts of things. And it gives you a sense of control that somehow distracts your brain. And you're really compelled to do this. And it's not rational. So I have what's called internal OCD, which you have a thought, counter-thought. So I actually, I actually had no external manifestations of OCD at all. So some psychologists argue, well, that's not OCD. Well, that's not true. So it was intense. It actually was suicidal over this whole thing. And by the time I get to the end of this thing, it's like every five or ten minutes, these crazy thoughts would come into my head. They're basically called intrusive thoughts. So my thing was thought, counter-thought. So cousins to OCD is body image disorders, eating disorders, hair pulling, hypochondriasis, Tourette syndrome, which you have involuntary vocal motor tics, and they're all cousins of OCD, and I would argue they actually are OCD. And anytime your anxiety becomes disruptive, where you start getting these obsessive thought patterns over and over, over again, it doesn't mean that you have a full-blown OCD. And then, for instance, everybody has some form of a body image disorder. In other words, there's always some part of your body that you don't like, so of course you're trying not to think about it. 
Well, unfortunately, you've done the, the exact wrong thing. So by not thinking about something, think about it more. So literally 100% of people have some variation of a body image disorder. It really depends on how disruptive it is. And I wrote in this article that I put on my website that I don't know at what point you define it as becoming OCD because it just flat out for me became pretty clear. It was so disruptive, consumed literally 80% of my waking hours or more just fighting off these crazy thoughts. So the thing was was sobering. When I looked up in the research literature on OCD, I looked at a review article around the time that I was trying to get better, and there's things like psychotherapy, there's behavioral modification, you expose yourself to the things that make you anxious, there's a rubber band technique where you put a rubber band on your wrist, and every time you think the thought, you snap the rubber band, and things just got way worse. So what happened is that going back to the whole model, anxiety is a response. It's not the cause of the problem. So thoughts are input to your brain. They create the same chemical reaction. Unpleasant thoughts create the same chemical reaction as a physical threat. And since you can't escape your thoughts, it's a sustained reaction. And so when you suppress the thoughts, when some research shows that thought suppression actually causes damage to the memory center of your brain called the hippocampus, in chronic pain, your brain actually physically shrinks because the sustained adrenaline actually shuts down the blood supply to the frontal lobe of your brain. Plus, your brain's on these anxiety pathways, so you're not using the creative part of your brain anymore. So your brain actually physically shrinks. Fortunately, as you treat OCD and different chronic pain syndromes, the brain actually physically re-expands. So the essence of the solution is I have to pick up a book called Feeling Good by David Burns, and he pointed out these cognitive distortions, these errors in thinking, it's like should thinking, labeling, emotional reasoning, emphasizing the negative, minimizing the positive, etc. So you write down the unpleasant thought, then you categorize it, and then you write down the more appropriate thought. So it does two things. The three-column technique, by the way, is brilliant. It really does give you a feel for these cognitive distortions. By the way, these intrusive thoughts are always cognitive distortions. So as you write things down, what I finally learned is that it's actually the writing that makes a difference. It starts breaking up these circuits. Anyway, the bottom line is you decrease the body's adrenaline, you decrease the anxiety. And the more you talk about it and try to fix it, against a million-to-one ratio of the unconscious over the conscious. So the essence of the solution is you externalize the thoughts, you instantly tear them up because you're not trying to solve or fix these things, and then you drop your shoulders and just pick a sensation, a little bit of a mindfulness technique. So what you're doing, you have awareness of the thoughts, you've now separated physically with the writing exercise, then you redirect. So that stimulates what we call neuroplasticity, where you're directing your brain to go a different direction. In other words, you can't control the thoughts and the unconscious reaction, but you can redirect the response a different way. So it's not positive thinking, which is sort of a disaster in OCD, but it's positive substitution. It makes a huge difference. So it's a combination of the neuroplasticity and decrease in body's adrenaline that finally solved the problem. And what I'm excited about, I remember, I remember reading this prognosis about OCD and anxiety disorders. And you look at the psychiatric manuals, it's considered something that you manage not to cure. And of course, at that point in my time, I was so under this whole thing that I go, holy smokes, this is horrible. I'm fine. I'm not only fine, I'm thriving. And I have anxiety that comes and goes and occasionally a random thought. But you learn just to sort of separate from it, visualize it, let it go. And it, it just simply is, I simply don't have OCD. In fact, 
I have very little anxiety on a day-to-day basis because as you learn to become comfortable with anxiety, it loses its power. As you start using the more creative parts of your brain, it becomes very, very powerful. So you quit paying attention to the pain slash anxiety circuits. Again, anxiety actually essentially is the pain. So as you quit paying attention to it, separate and redirect, your brain actually starts to physically change shape and form called neuroplasticity. So I'm not only fine, I'm thriving at a level I never really dreamed possible. And it's a learned skill. It's not something that happens tomorrow. And you might hear this podcast and think, okay, well, what you're talking about, this isn't going to be that easily solved. Well, within two weeks after I started the writing exercises, things started to shift. And by six months, it's a bit of a story, but essentially by six months, I really was fine. And I've been fine ever since. So it's a solvable problem, which again, in the psychiatric world, is not considered solvable, something that you manage. By the way, chronic pain in general is considered to be something to be managed, not cured. As you know, working through the book and the website, chronic pain actually is a curable problem. So it's just such a horrible problem, and I'm so happy to be free of it. Uh, it's unbelievable. I can't even put into words how horrible it was and, and how nice it is to be free of that. Well, this is excellent information, uh, uh, and I think if I can uh, briefly summarize for our listeners, the one thing you you want to be sure not to do if you believe you have OCD is to start uh, suppressing uh, negative thoughts. So you want to you want to be aware of them, as you say, externalize them, uh, write them down, um, you know, label them or categorize them, and then and then get rid of them in some physical way. Is that uh... right? And so remember, when you write down the thoughts, you're not trying to solve anything. You're simply writing and separating. And then the redirection is mindfulness meditation. So I do recommend psychological input. I mean, I'm not against psychology at all. It's just that there's a whole group of psychologists coming out now called somatic or expressive um, psychology, um, acupuncture, deep massage, medical hypnosis, Anything that calms the nervous system is great. So with psychology, they give you an awareness of the past and why things are happening. The problem is with traditional psychology, and again, it's shifting dramatically now, is that the feeling that if you really, really, really understand your past and understand the problem, then that's going to solve it. So remember, it's awareness, separation, reprogram as far as neuroplasticity. So psychologists can give you a tremendous amount of awareness. They can give you support, guidance, direction, and wisdom. So you have awareness, and then you do some type of separation tool. And then what the somatic therapists do is they'll teach you mindfulness, relaxation, acupuncture, incredibly relaxing um, process, medical hypnosis, same thing. So when you combine the mental health support with the other tools, we call it third-wave cognitive behavioral therapy. It's also called acceptance commitment therapy. The Therapies to help calm your nervous system, EMDR, which I used to think was a crazy tool. You're associating thoughts with eye movements. Well, what's actually happening is that your eye has the highest number of receptors per square inch in the human body. And so you're actually connecting thoughts with another physical sensation, and you're starting to redirect the nervous system. So anything that's what we call somatic work combined with the wisdom of a psychologist or a mental health counselor is really, really helpful it's a learned skill. You have to do do understand it's not a straight line, 
But once you start to process and start feeling some freedom after being barraged with these thoughts, why it's unbelievable. But it's also more common than people think. Right? I ask lots of careful questions, and a lot of people don't consider themselves as having OCD. Again, the the book that I read quoted maybe two or three percent instance of population. But if you look at eating disorders, et cetera, which is one out of five women now, and the men are starting to catch up, um, hair pulling, Tourette's disorder, I mean, there's lots of other things that are very close cousins to this. Um, it's probably a lot higher than people think. But yeah, just simply common nervous system redirecting with the right exercises being one of the great starting points is um, really extraordinarily helpful. So it's really a solvable problem. Well, Dr. Hanscom, I want to thank you for uh, sharing your insights on OCD as well as your your personal uh, story of your experience with it. I think this has been very helpful for our listeners. And I'd uh, like to let everyone know, too, that you can find uh, more information on Dr. Hanscom's website, backincontrol.com. That's www.backincontrol.com. And uh, Dr. Hanscom, again, I'd like to thank you uh, for being on the show today and uh, remind our listeners uh, to join us next week uh, when our topic will be right and don't stop. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.